You are listening to Wilhelm, a film-centric podcast for film lovers of all kinds. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. I am your host, Ben Beck, and ordinarily, I will not tell you to stop listening to this podcast, uh, but I'm going to change that this time around, because if you have not seen Last Night in Soho, uh, Edgar Wright's new film, stop right now and go see the movie. One, because it's fucking amazing. And when I'm using fuck this soon in the podcast, you know I'm on to something. Uh, secondly... We're going to be talking about Last Night in Soho, and we're not pulling punches on the spoilers, or we're not holding back on the spoilers, rather. It's going to be a spoiler fuller review of Edgar Wright's new movie, Last Night in Soho. So without further ado, let me bring on my guests for this one. Uh, they are former guests of Wilhelm. They are the current co-hosts together of the Run For Your Lives podcast. Please welcome back to Wilhelm, my friends, Daphne Backman and fellow Edgar Wright supervan Pig Allen. Yes. <laughs> awesome. So excited. So you when you're doing Edgar Wright, <laughs> I have to be here. I feel right? like it's just <laughs> it's almost a given. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I feel and like you do. You have to be there. You and it's to. it's it's fun because we all recently within the last two hours to five days yeah. have all seen last night in Soho. <laughs> Uh, Paik saw it the furthest time array. Daphne, three days. Me, three days ago. Yeah. At the time of recording this, two hours. Yeah, I, so it's freshest on your mind. It's which is freshest good. in my mind. <laughs> and it's one of those things too that, like, I before I went and saw it, I was like, I don't have anything planned for for Wilhelm this week, so I'm just gonna do a a, a quick review of Last Night in Soho for people who want to go see it or have seen it already to see what their feelings are. And then I'm, and when I walked out of the movie, I'm like, I need to talk about this movie with other people. <laughs> yes. I cannot do it. Same. By yes. Yes. I've waited three days to have this conversation. I'm so excited. Pig's waited the longest amount of time yeah, to have has. a conversation with anybody. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. So let's talk about it. Obviously, again, uh, if you're listening this far into the podcast, hopefully you have seen the movie by now or you are not. You, you just don't care that you're going to get spoiled, which, again, with this movie, go see it. I, you, you need <laughs> see to it. see it. I mean, you do. God, like, it's just. So, yeah. So, uh, OK. Last night in Soho rated R. One hour fifty six at run one hour fifty six minute running time. An aspiring fashion designer is mysteriously able to enter the sixties, where she encounters a dazzling wannabe singer. But the glamour is not all it appears to be, and the dreams of the past start to crack and splinter into something darker. This is Edgar Wright's. It's not his first foray into horror because he did Shaun of the Dead, which is comedic horror. This is his first attempt at horror thriller suspense yeah and I, I again 
for Pake and I to talk about this, it comes kind of from a place of bias because we absolutely love Edgar Wright, but we're very truthful in our thoughts. Mm-hmm. So having Daphne on with us too is kind of what breaks it up. So we know <laughs> she loved it. We're good. My personal yes. opinion, holy shit, did he knock this out of the park? Oh, yeah. I uh, <laughs> literally, anybody who was in earshot of me in the theater heard me. The movie ended and I just looked up and I went, like, like this volume is what Edgar fucking right does it again. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, just... <laughs> I mean, Daphne, what, what are your overall, before we get into like details, overall thoughts on the movie? I stayed away from trailers and any, you know, previews of any kind for the most part, because I wanted to go in and just enjoy the experience. And when I left the theater, I was thinking, I love what he did with this give me some more because I really enjoyed it. I liked the way he always had, he has a thing with music in his films and I'm Mm -hmm. sure we'll talk about this Mm -hmm. a little more, but the way that the film was shot and the moving back and forth between present day and the sixties and the way that the music kind of was its own character. He continued that with this only he took it into this real horror, creepy realm and there were some i jumped a couple of times i there were no jump scares for me i'm i'm very desensitized to that so there's not it takes a lot to make Same me here. jump <laughs> um although it was funny because i was what i was with two other people tonight and um one of them they showed the trailer for the new scream movie and she jumped at the trailer and i literally <laughs> leaned over i was like did you jump in a trailer I was like, you shouldn't even go see the movie because you're just going to be scared out of your mind the whole time. Um, I can definitely see how there were moments in this movie that would make people jump because there are some creepy moments in this film. But there was nothing jump scare ish for me. And I'm fine with that. Like, I'm okay with there not being jump scares. Yeah, it was more. I mean, there were definitely moments where I just like said to myself, like, oh, that's creepy. That's really like. I, I can really appreciate those moments where I'm sitting. I'm like, this makes me feel uneasy. And I love that it's doing that. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I want to say it's a it's a solid cast in that there are four main characters, three main characters for the most part, a couple supporting characters um, and then and then a lot of background. But the three main characters pretty much are um, Thomas and Mackenzie. Anya Taylor-Joy and Matt Smith. Matt Smith, mm-hmm. my second favorite doctor from Doctor Who. So I've, I'm a fan of his already. Thomas and McKenzie and Anya Taylor-Joy are relatively new to me. I never watched mm-hmm. Queen's Gambit. Um, but Did you see I, Split? She I, was in I mainly Split. know her from Split and Glass. She, She's, oh, that's right. She is in those movies. Mm -hmm. son of a bitch and i i didn't realize that until now until you pointed that out um i will say though i like don't get me wrong i know there's like a 15 year age difference between her and i but man this movie made me fall in love with anya taylor joy (laughs) she is she's a phenomenal actress yeah she really proved that in this and she's just a beautiful beautiful actress as well um but yeah, I mean, in addition to those three, we had Diana Rigg, who most people would probably know from Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Uh, Michael he Ajayo. He had a stellar career in the UK, too. Yes. Diana Rigg is very, yeah. Yeah. And She's Michael pretty. Ajayo, who most notably, most people probably know from Attack the Block. Yeah. Um, another another British <laughs> film comedy. But other than that, yeah. there's not a lot of standout cast. I mean, th- those are the most... Oh, oh my God. Um, Terrence Stamp. Uh, how did I yeah. almost forget Terrence Stamp? <laughs> he is integral to this movie. Yeah. So, but yeah, Daphne, I'm with you in that this movie, seeing this movie solidified one thing for me, and that is there's no doubt in my mind Edgar Wright has a style. Mm-hmm. He has his Definitely. own distinct style. And when you Definitely. watch this movie, one of the things that he is notably not even the music put the music aside because that's in a category all itself stylistically shooting he has a style and for me it's the camera pans it's the real quick camera pans from one shot to the other and when you see that they're done in such a way that if i did not know edgar wright directed this that would have given it away Mm-hmm. it's this yeah the cinematic style that he has where everything it's a lot of quick things but it flows naturally we mm-hmm. see it with scott pilgrim we see it with baby driver we see i mean we see it with all of the stuff oh it's, it's these, in hot fuzz it's yeah in, especially yeah. these kind of things but with this one i think the moment that really i was like yeah this is edgar wright 100 is the first time well there's two the music and then the cinematography is the first time that ellie goes back or you know starts dreaming of or seeing sandy and this first that first one because you get the music going with the flashing lights outside the window and it's timed perfectly with the tempo mm-hmm. and she flips that blanket over herself and then she kind of goes into this like world and then we have the mirror and like everything's so perfectly mirrored and then it's that dance scene when Sandy is dancing with Jack and then Ellie is sliding in and out seamlessly and he's dancing with both of them I was like this is Edgar Wright to a T right here so I watched one of the first things I did when I got home was I watched the behind the scenes uh, featurette on the movie. And one of the things that blew me mind, blew my mind because blew me mind. Blew me um, mind. You're, you're already, you're still in uh, London. You yeah. got to come home. <laughs> <You> <laughs> uh, one of the things that blew my mind about that dancing, because that dancing is incredible is there are no cuts. There are no edits. It is one I figured shot. that they had both. Both one women, take. both actresses, off they screen, are, switching in and out. Yeah. They are both there and they are switching in and out seamlessly. Like when he is dancing with Thomason, uh, Anya is literally behind Matt, ducked behind him. So when the camera moves in a certain position, she comes up, she takes his hand and she comes around. It It's incredible to yeah. watch the behind the scenes on that because it is done seamlessly. To to know that there's mm. no cuts in that dancing whatsoever is astonishing. Yeah, and it just shows the true that... talent he has as a director. Mm-hmm. So that was yeah, that was I the liked... first big scene that made me go like, "This is what we're getting." And I was like, "Yep, it's Edgar Wright, and I am in a hundred percent now." Yes, one hundred percent. I like the way that it went back and forth between the two, and the fact that it was so seamless. It didn't have like a herky jerky film style and to me it that can take you out of the moment and i think that this definitely kept you in it yeah um one of the other things i i've i found really astonishing and it's it's one of the reasons why i want to go back and watch the movie again just to see if i notice more of it is you know there's those scenes where she is you're you're seeing 
uh, Sandy, which is Anya Taylor-Joy's character. Mm-hmm. There's Sandy and Ellie. You're seeing Sandy with Jack in the club and Ellie is in the mirrors. Mm-hmm. And then it switches off from time to time where Jack is with Ellie and Sandy is in the mirrors, is, is in the reflection. Um, it's what, what was so great about that is anytime Sandy is in the reflection, it is a reflection of Sandy of what she would be. But anytime Ellie was in the reflection, Ellie was looking in. Yeah, mm-hmm. Sandy was never looking in. It yeah. was always Ellie looking in when she was in the reflection. But there were certain moments like where after Jack punches the guy on the dance floor and they're running through the club and they're running past mirrors, they're running past mirrors so quick. But Edgar is always so great with continuity that you can see Ellie. Yeah. Like she runs through those mirrors just as fast as Jack and Sandy do. And there's, I want to go back and rewatch the movie to see if there are other moments like that that I missed. Mm-hmm. Because I'm there sure there are. So many things I, I want to rewatch this movie. I just haven't decided to pay more money to go back to the theater. Uh, I mean, we yeah. are definitely, I definitely will rewatch it. And I, when it is out in a like Blu-ray physical form, I will buy it, have it on my, on my shelf in my collection. And then I'm sure me and Daphne will do a deeper dive on it on Run for Your Lives once it's out in a more wide, you know, capacity as well for people. So I'm I'm excited to dig back into it, but I want to look for little things like that. And then I'll go ahead and just say the main thing I really want to look back and maybe you remember because it's fresher on your mind. But it's one of those things because you get the big reveal at the end. So then you kind of want to go back and be like, oh, well, what are the little clues reaching to that? Because I remember Sandy is giving all these men different nicknames, different names. And then we find out. uh, Yes. Is it a? Oh yeah, it's there. I mean, it's... Uh, what was what was his name? It was a uh, Lindsay. Lindsay, yes. That um, he ends yes. up being the police officer, and I get is Alex the name that she gave him? Yes. Okay, because yes. whenever whenever Ellie thinks that it, he is Jack, and that she and then he killed uh, Sandy, and he goes, you know, she goes, I know what you did. You killed Sandy. He goes, if anybody killed Sandy, Alex did. And I was well, no, like, well, he, he's he, talking he, about he's, he's talking he, about her. He, he says you should talk to Alex, which because he's like, if you really want to know who killed her, you should talk to Alex. And I was like, well, wait a mm-hmm. minute. And um, I remember watching that movie because that's the two, right. The two people I was with, we actually looked at that scene two different ways. And I'm glad you brought this up because, mm-hmm. again, this is spoilerful. So we're going to talk yeah. about that twist ending because um, the trailers and the movie, the, the entire time you are led to believe that. Sandy is murdered and Jack is the killer because it is the vision that Mm -hmm. Ellie sees. And she is convinced that Terrence Stamp is Jack in the present day. Mm -hmm. And the twist of it is, and there's a scene where, you know, we see Sandy meeting all the guys that she ends up sleeping with or prostitutes herself out to. And one of them is a cop and Mm -hmm. she gives him the name Alex which I don't, I have to go back and rewatch that scene. I'm pretty confident she gave him the name Alex. And that's what, cause I was thinking about it. I was like, cause I know yes. she gave a bunch of different names. Alex she gives the them. name Alex. I was like, it Alexis, has to be Lexi. That's the one. Yeah. Yeah. It, they're she, all, he had to have been, the cop had to have been, which is Lindsay, which is the old man who we are led to believe is Jack most of the movie. But I believe Alex is the name he, she gave him because that's that line when he's yeah. talking to Ellie of being, you know, you should talk to Alex and he's something, you know, like, Alex would know about if Sandy died and it's and that's the name that she gave him so it's kind of his underhanded way of being like you know uh, you're, you're seeing things wrong here and you should well see and so 
yeah. this is the way like me and the two people what I was with, they saw it one way, I saw it another. The way they saw that scene was that he says like, if you really want to find out what happened, what happened to her, you should ask Alex or whatever pocket of hell she's in mm-hmm. right now. They took that scene and they heard that and they were like, okay, that's not Jack. Who the hell is Alex? I took that scene as in, okay, this is Jack. He's telling them, he's telling Ellie she should go to hell because he's not going to admit to anything. Yeah, I was kind of in a middle place on that where I still was convinced he was Jack at that point. I was too. I I was convinced he, I was convinced he was but Jack I knew he, until- Yeah, but I knew he was talking about Sandy as in you should talk to her. But yeah, it was this kind of weird like, you know, like talk to her. And so I was kind of trying to figure out, I was like, well, is she still alive? Or like you said, is like, you know, if you're having some kind of, you know, convening with the dead, well, you can talk to her about, about what happened. And it almost kind of felt like a victim blaming thing was, I was like, oh, she brought it upon herself or, you know, they're, they're, you're still, they're still playing with that a little bit where you don't know. Yeah. And that's what I took it as. I took it as it was, it was pretty much victim blaming. He was blaming mm-hmm. the victims. He killed them all. They got what they deserved, but he was basically just telling her to go to hell. Um, before he would admit to anything. It wasn't until he's hit and killed by the cab driver says, yeah, that the bartender says like, oh my God, Lindsay. And I was like, wait a minute, I'm like, Lindsay. And my immediate reaction was, well, then who the fuck is Jack? Mm -hmm. And it didn't. So there was even a part of me in the beginning of this movie when Ellie rents this room and it's, you know, rents the room from Mrs. Collins and you and then you realize that this is also the room where Sandy lived when she was doing what she was doing back in the 60s. There was a part of me that was like, oh, Mrs. Collins is probably Sandy. And then you see her get murdered. And I'm like, OK, so it can't be Mrs. Collins. Like, that can't be her. Yes. So I, I wrote it off. See, wrote I wrote it never, off. Completely. The twist got me 100 percent. I never yeah. once suspected her of being Sandy. So I, at, I figured Sandy lived there and she was maybe hiding something or covering something, but I never put those together that they were one and the same. And so that did blow my mind a little bit. Well, like, so when damn. so when it got to the end and it got to the big reveal, when she reveals to Ellie, you know, that she killed Jack because Jack was pimping her out and, and doing all these things to her, there was a part of me that was like, okay, like that's kind of forgivable. Like he was mm-hmm. if he was doing that mm-hmm. to you that's that's kind of forgivable like i'm i'm kind of missing what the plot is here and there was a part of me that was a, almost <laughs> a little disappointed because it was like well i actually almost kind of called her being the killer earlier or being sandy earlier i can kind of forgive her for killing jack and then it's when she says that ellie and... will drink your tea dear and i'm like oh wait a minute this oh, is no. going <laughs> this is going a little like wrong cuz i think she's going to try and kill ellie because ellie knows who she is Mm-hmm. And then after Ellie drinks the tea, and this is the moment I talked about where I was like, I fucking love this movie. When she reveals that not only did she kill Jack, but she killed every fucking person yeah. that came to her door and buried him in the floors and buried in the walls. I was like, this shit just got darker <laughs> so <laughs> much faster. And, you, and I fucking love it. Yeah. And it, it did a good job of setting up little details throughout the movie yeah. that when that reveal happens, it's like, you become like a character in the movie where like your brain starts reeling like, oh shit. And then that thing, and then that thing, and it all starts to make sense. Cause when she first moved into that little apartment, 
And she said, you know, when it, when it starts getting hotter outside, make sure you plug the drains because the smells come up. Well, it's because oh, I didn't even think of, of that. You have a bunch of yeah. bodies hiding under the floor and in the walls, of course. And yeah, then of course. when Ellie is at the like library trying to find you know Sandy's missing she's person coming report. across all, those all the articles she's yeah. coming across all the missing men are the yes. missing men that yep. yeah yeah and I just I love those little like details that you miss if you're not like you know paying attention and, and but then when like, something is revealed you're like oh my god and at this point now like my man too well, and at this point now my mind is working overtime like I'm like okay <laughs> what the hell else is going on and then she's getting chased by all the ghosts upstairs and I'm like well, why are these ghosts chasing her oh it must be because she made herself look like Sandy so now they're going after Sandy because what if she, what she didn't do anything wrong they're going after Sandy because they think she's Sandy and then they hand her the phone and they're talking for help and I'm like what the fuck is happening what? yeah uh, and I thought more about All the that ghosts situation. With the creepy faces. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought more about that situation. And I think the moment that what happens is because at first Ellie is just looking in to this dream as an outside viewer until there's the moment where the one man is about to sleep with, with Sandy. Well, <laughs> that's the nice way to put it. Uh, but uh, yeah. 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 And, and about to. And then Ellie just kind of loses it and gets in the guy's face and screams, leave her alone. And the guy looks and faces her and there is a spiritual connection between Ellie and that ghost. And I think that is the moment where the line is crossed and now the ghosts know she's there and they're like, somebody has this ability, this power, somebody from the outside who can communicate and, and solve what's gone on. So now it's time for us because we can cross over to her and kind of infect her mind and, and reach out to her. So she thinks they're haunting her coming after her because she's Sandy or, you know, whatever, or she's a beautiful woman and they're after her. But really it's at that point where that's crossed over where these ghosts now realize we have an in on the outside and now we have to reach out to her. Cause even in the library, the most they ever do is one of them then puts his hand on her shoulder and then she freaks out and runs obviously who wouldn't. But I think even at that yeah. moment, he's looking for help, like pay attention to the computer screen. That's, it's me right there. I'm the missing man. Something happened to me. Yeah. And- <laughs> yeah. There's there's all those clues that were sitting right there and that these guys have always been there to try and get her attention rather than harm her. Yeah. And yeah. And on the note of her ability of whatever it is, because they never really truly explain it. Like it's mm-hmm. it's kind of revealed in the middle that she has a way of communicating. I mean, they with set it mother. up pretty early in the movie because her and her, her grand, she's like, you know, I haven't seen mom in a little bit. That's like the first five minutes of the movie where she's just like, but they never explain what it is. Like yeah. they never explain what it is. It's just the right. fact that she has this ability to be able to see her mother. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But what I, but what I, I found intriguing too, when I sat back and I thought about it after the movie was over is there's, there's a little bit of brilliant writing in there too, in that there it's revealed that her mother committed suicide because psychologically she wasn't right. So, mm-hmm. There's also a part in the beginning of the movie that leads you down a path of like, okay, could this all be in her head? Mm-hmm. Is this hereditary? Is this something she got from her mother? Is she yeah. psychologically? Might, I her that. mother might have shared the same ability, but yeah. it's real. And her yeah. mother just couldn't handle what it brought upon yeah. her. That's well, yeah, what that, I wondered too. Is that could be the other part. Too much for her mom. Yeah, that could be the other part. Is Is that why her mother killed herself? Mm-hmm. Is that she couldn't, yeah. hand, she had this same ability and she couldn't handle it. So uh, getting to the music aspect of it, uh, one of the other things behind the scenes or in that behind the scenes featurette that I, I loved, and it's 
it didn't surprise me whatsoever is that Edgar Wright revealed that a number of the songs on the soundtrack he already had before the movie was even written. Mm-hmm. I'm um, not surprised at all. He's done that with a lot of his movies. <laughs> and, and James yeah. Gunn is another one that does that. Builds too. the soundtrack first and then figures out how to work mm-hmm. the movie in with it because like we, I think Daphne mentioned, and when we did our Edgar Wright episode here on Wilhelm, we talked about that a lot. Is soundtrack is a character in his movies where it is. every song and the score and everything has a part to play in the story. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and so the, the fact that he had that, he had the soundtrack done already, didn't surprise me. Uh, and in fact, he even says in the behind the scenes feature that, you know, he had these songs out enlisted when he had the idea for last night in Soho and every once in a while he would hear one of them on the radio and it would always remind him like shit I need to get back to writing last night in Soho <laughs> it would it would be a constant those songs would be a reminder for him that he had to get back yeah. um, and one of the other things that he also revealed too that he had Anya Taylor Joy chosen for Sandy before the script was even done like he had her in wow. mind for that role from the beginning from That's the cool. the imagining of the movie mm-hmm. which he actually sings a couple of the songs on the soundtrack because i can't watch the movie again so i went and was looking for the soundtrack so i could just get in that headspace because downtown was going through my head like all day on monday yeah well downtown yeah she is on the soundtrack and she does sing that mm-hmm. um and mm-hmm. apparently they did two versions of that song they did a very yes. straightforward but like very similar to the original song. And then they did the uh, acoustic one that's actually in the film. Yeah. And yes, I think they're both on the soundtrack, but the acoustic one is the only one that's in the film. And when choosing them, he said, yeah, we're going with that. One. He's like, cause yeah. it's very yeah. ominous and it's, it's got funny. a haunting feel to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It really does. Yeah. Um, I've been geeking out a lot about this movie. Uh, Daphne, what are I feel like Pake and I kind of hijacked this conversation. So I I, I apologize because I'm enjoying I'm enjoying listening to the two of you talk about it because you're bringing up things that I had forgotten or not forgotten, but hadn't connected in my head yet. Mm-hmm. I mean, one thing that stood out for me, the men that kept appearing at first, it seemed like it was just a couple. And then by the end, I mean, they were coming up through the floorboards, grabbing at her and at that time, too, I did not know that they were looking to her for help because I still was thinking, no, you know, Jack killed Sandy. You know? Oh, I was convinced that Jack had killed Sandy because that was the vision that she saw. Yeah. You know, so like, and then I- she saw the corrected vision <laughs> of what really happened. And I was kind of like, good for you, Sandy. Take him out because he was he. You know, he lured her in by being this very charming, debonair man and wine didn't not necessarily dine, but he, you know, he chatted her up and got her interested. She thought he was interested in her. And then he just pimped her out and she was shocked that he was trying to do those things to her because she thought he loved her. Well, well, and Edgar even mentions this in in the behind the scenes, which, again, if you've seen the movie, I just I recommend going on YouTube and just why it's about 15 minutes. And there's a lot of insight into the making of the movie and the story behind it. But he even reveals in there, too, that when it comes to Jack's character, he legitimately feels that Jack did truly feel he can make her a star. 
but the method in that he did it was just what was normal in the 60s for people of his stature yeah you know so he really was just doing what he knew he really did legitimately think he could make her a star but this was just the process that he was going to do it mm-hmm. so they he says he thinks jack was very genuine in what he promised it was just a very nefarious way of going about it yeah yeah so i do have a question for you about jack i wonder what your you take on it both of you because when ellie is seeing all of these ghosts in different things and she see while well, you know she's having these what she thinks is like a, a hallucinogenic trip or you know this like nervous breakdown and she's seeing these spirits these ghosts everywhere and she's seeing jack as well she sees them you know on the you know stairs down to the tube or when she sees Lindsay, she sees jack is it her just her own mind making that connection like oh that's who that is or do you think the like ghost of jack really was there in that moment and it was kind of him trying to be like this guy's a cop you need to talk to him oh i think i I think after Ooh, the reveal I, at the end, that's a good point. Yeah, I think at the after the reveal at the end, I think Jack's ghost really was there. I think he was yeah, just he was another Jack one of the spirits there, there, trying to lead her to mm-hmm. Lindsay. So there's this connection between those. Yeah, yeah. I absolutely yeah. think they but were they were leading her to Lindsay. She just she made a misconnection in the two. Definitely. Um, yeah. You know, she thought she that thought... she thought that Lindsay was Jack, but they were leading her mm-hmm. to Lindsay to attempt to help yeah yeah you didn't mention ben that the younger Lindsay, which we didn't see very much at all was played by sam clayflin who was in the hunger games he played finnick odare that was finnick yes son of a bitch lots of little (laughs) nuggets in this lots of little nuggets because when you look at it and you think you know who it is and you're racking your brain because they don't look the same like there's just he doesn't look the same that's i would never have known until i looked it up (laughs) I, i can't wait a minute yeah why can't i find him in the list of i think i miss details in movies because i get stuck on Oh my gosh, where have I seen them? <laughs> and it will go in my head. And I think it distracts me because the bartender, Carol, I I looked at her and I'm like, I've seen her. Where have I seen her? She was on a British comedy called Father Ted. She played the, the maid or the caretaker lady, Mrs. Doyle. And so I'm looking at her thinking, you don't look like Mrs. Doyle, but you are Mrs. Doyle, you know. Well, Again, and- I think my brain just gets connected to that. And I'm trying to figure out who people are. Well, Edgar also, up until this movie, actually in Baby Driver, he didn't really do it either. I mean, he he tended to use a lot of the same people. He used a lot of the same people through mm-hmm. all the Cornetto trilogy, but I think these other like standalones yes. he likes to kind of fresh cast. Yeah, he's yeah. Been, he's been using different casts for uh for them. And that's I mean, that's great. It, it's a way to separate himself as a filmmaker. Yeah. Um you know, after this, and God, they IMDb does not have Lindsay listed in the. Uh... Yeah, but Wikipedia does. <laughs> okay, fair <laughs> enough. I mean, I, I mean, I, I, I do believe you. It's just, it, it just blows my mind that that's another. I mean, again, like I didn't even realize Anya Taylor Joy was in Split and Glass. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, well, I, I wouldn't have known her. 
in Glass because I haven't seen Glass yet. I've only seen okay. Split. Um, she was really good in Split. And Thomasine um, McKenzie, I had just, she looked familiar to me, but I couldn't, for some reason, I let it go enough and just watched the movie. But I had just seen her as Maddox in Old because I watched that recently. I have not watched. I haven't watched Old yet either. Yeah, mm -hmm. she's really good. She's a, she's I'm another one. To seeing her and more. Yeah, she's another one that after this movie, I think we're going to see big things from. Yeah. Or yeah. bigger things from. She's very talented. Because um, I, I do remember her from Jojo Rabbit, which yeah. is another. That's where I know her from. Like, yeah, I didn't make that connection while watching it. But of course, I like to do my IMDb like trivia and stuff after I see a movie and I go through the cast and I was like, that's right. She was, she was the, the girl in Jojo rabbit. Yep. That's yeah. All. She's, she's the girl in Jojo rabbit and she's, that's another movie that like, I love that one so much. That's, Again, that's my like pillars of directors, like within my top three directors Taika, Edgar Taika Wright, and, yeah. and Edgar are both in there. Yep. So it's yep, mine as well. <laughs> yeah. Can't so. ask you to pick just one. Cause you like both of them so much. I mean, no, I, I, I have an order. I have an order. Oh, yeah. Edgar is above Edgar's Taiga. Number I mean, one. Don't get me wrong. I love Taiga, but Edgar <laughs> is above Taiga. I think right now my top three like are Edgar Wright, Mike Flanagan, and Taika Waititi. Like, I think that's kind of where I mm -hmm. lie right now. Man. Oh, never mind. I was thinking of I was thinking of Squid Game, which fucking broke me. But we'll talk oh, about that's that later. a conversation for another day, Ben. That's I feel like that deserves it's a conversation a for a different podcast. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, very good so series on netflix any any other things that we kind of want to bring up about this because we did kind of geek out but i felt i feel like we did cover a lot yeah. of what this movie entails mm -hmm. i guess the only like little nitpick or like hang up i had but maybe you guys can clear it up is again with the t of having sandy alexandra collins miss collins poisoning oh is she poisoning or is it more like a sleeping pill situation oh no she i have think, her, like i, I, I believe it was poison yeah but i think then, she was poisoning yeah. her but of course nothing really happens of it i mean like she fights her off whatever and then they kind of have this understanding she and she leaves the burning she, house she like she either she didn't drink enough yeah she didn't drink enough she vomited up some yeah and then she was taken to the hospital so mm -hmm. maybe she was awake enough to tell them like i ingested something and that's just off screen and they would have made sure to take care of it. So I let it go. But it was one of those little things I was hung up for just a second. Like, it's weird for them to kind of introduce like, oh, shit, I'm going to poison you. And then like nothing really come of it. But again, in the grand scheme of things, eh, it's minor. Well, she didn't drink all of the tea. Like she stopped drinking it. Yeah. She had only so sipped it. It was like one all of it. Yeah. She'd only had a little. Yeah. She had, she had Luckily, only she sipped it. Luckily, she was able to keep her wits about her. She had only sipped it before she dropped it. Yeah. Um. But it did make me it did make me realize, though, that Mrs. Miss Collins actually did seal her own fate in this, because had she not told Ellie there was a letter waiting for her in the pile, mm -hmm. Ellie would have never known. Yeah, she would have never yeah. put it together that she was Alex, that she was Sandy. Yeah, she was just going to leave like that. was. So she kind of sealed her own out. fate when she told her, you know, this is. There's a letter for you. It's in the pile. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think and... she knew just how deep that Ellie had gone into looking into Sandy and the story mm -hmm. and that she would start to put the pieces together. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. And the only other note I really had, I see no, I didn't take notes, but mental note. Um, <laughs> mental note. It's <laughs> just the very ending of the movie I thought was really poignant and kind of a cool little thing is because of course we have that, you know, that connection with her mother and it was cool that her like grandma and John are there at her, you know, big fashion, you know, moment and getting to see her designs and oh. see this. But then when the mirror kind of switches from her mother and it's Sandy standing in there and they have this moment where just kind of the, the touch that we'd seen a couple of times at the movie. And I think that was really cool because even though this woman just tried to kill her a couple months before it or is, whatever. It is a flat out serial killer. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. But, but there was still, because of everything that she kind of experienced herself and witnessed this woman go through, she still had this connection with her and it almost, you know, we see it. Miss Collins lets her go at the end and finally is like, no, you're right. Like you deserve to, to go on. I, I've been in a prison my whole life, but this is, this is my penance. And so now as like a spirit on the other side, she's kind of not really a mentor, but like she's almost a, a guardian of there, like a guardian. Yeah. Like yeah. she's like, yeah, a guardian. I I've got your guardian. back. Like now that, you know, you, you are a survivor. And I'm going to make strong. sure what happened to me does not happen to you. Yeah. I am. I am yes. a guardian of you now. And I want to say think too, they definitely have a connection. They yeah. definitely have a connection beyond um, just what happened at the house. I think she's probably going to see her. Like she sees her mother. Yeah, absolutely. Time time. Um, two notes I have on my end. Um, and then Daphne, if you have any final notes, we'll, we'll go over yours and we'll, we'll kind of <laughs> get ready to wrap it up. But um, when the movie first starts and we see Ellie dancing in the dress made of newspaper, which I thought was awesome. Um, oh, I love that. Dancing to like the 60s music and we're in like this small little London village. It's very difficult in that moment to determine the time period mm -hmm. of the movie. Yes. It wasn't until she was on the train with beat headphones. Yeah. That I was yes. like, okay, this is today. <laughs> like this is yeah. modern day movie right now. Mm -hmm. um, you know, cause this could have been like early nineties jumping back to the sixties. It could have been whatever, but the beats headphones were actually what established the time period for me in, in the beginning of the movie. Mm -hmm. uh the other note i have yes. my, my final note is that you know daphne you said earlier you're somebody who doesn't watch trailers and i know a lot of people who don't watch trailers because they don't want the movie given away mm -hmm. before they watch it mm -hmm. i will say this is a movie you can watch the trailer because the yes. twist and if you're listening to this obviously you know this already the twist because <laughs> i went back and i watched all the trailers again before we started recording because I wanted to see if there were any hints to the twist in any of the trailers. There are none. Mm -hmm. There are Just no hints yeah. to what the twist is going to be in any of the trailers. So the trailers are well cut and they keep that twist a secret. And it really shouldn't be a surprise though. Because I watched a couple of them after I saw the movie. It's not a surprise because Edgar Wright is very careful and you know that his hand is on everything because when you see the trailer and even the movie posters, there's just something very special mm -hmm. about it. I'm still, I'm still disappointed. And I know our friend Jason is too, that Edgar never did, got to do Ant-Man. I know. Cause yeah. I would have loved to have seen what <laughs> Edgar could do with a Marvel movie. Um, well, maybe in the future. We know Tyke is doing do... Star Wars. So maybe Edgar can be tapped for, Star Wars, or maybe they'll tap him for another Marvel project. Who knows? Mm -hmm. Yeah, but you never know. I 
I, I did learn an interesting fact about Scott Pilgrim today, Pake, that I didn't know. Oh, yeah. Um, if you go <laughs> back and watch the movie again, which I'm sure we both will at some point in the future. Oh, yeah. Uh, pay attention because almost very rarely do you ever see them blink. Mm -hmm. Because Edgar wanted it to be as close to a comic book as possible and they yes. don't blink in comics. Oh, mm -hmm. my goodness so very very rarely do they ever blink in the movie yeah <laughs> he really dives he goes all in with these movies his attention to detail he, is phenomenal every single little thing even the music and the clothes and everything that he put into this film the paper, newspaper dress all of it was just amazing yep any final notes on your end daphne Nope, I am good. You guys have covered everything. Our, I our just geek out stole all your notes. Talk about it. <laughs> you kind of did, um, but Sorry. I'm okay with it because I like being here and just listening to the two of you. So it's kind of cool to be able to just chime in with a few of my little tidbits. But I've enjoyed listening to you two, and it's actually made me want to go watch it again even more. So, I I have I AMC a list. I might have to spend the money. <laughs> I, I have AMC A-list, not a sponsor, um, although they should be. And I get to go see three movies a week, like for free with with that subscription. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I'm probably going to be using them again. And I'm going to be using it to go see I this think again. you have to. Yeah, it's a good idea. I just want to be able to look at the connections like Paik was saying earlier, the little connections that happened throughout the movie to see if I could really figure out like what was going on before. Cause I didn't, and I usually am pretty good at figuring things out, but not this time. Yeah. Didn't... Um, Daphne, I'll start with you scale of one to 10. What would you give this movie? And I'm throwing this on you. I didn't tell you I was going to do this. <laughs> oh my gosh. We stopped doing this on run for your lives. <laughs> You know what? I have to give it a solid nine. I really, I really liked it. Okay. Pake, how about you? I mean, I, I want to just say 10 and just go get away with that. Like, <laughs> well, but is that allowed? It's like, is anything really perfect? Well, here's, here's the, but, I mean, he honestly, if we're doing decimals, like we did on run for your lives a lot, like I feel perfectly comfortable with like a 9.8, honestly, well, like, let me, oh let's just, yeah. let me put it this way then rather. Uh, when we did our top five, there were only five movies. Now right. there are six. Where does it fall in the top six of Edgar Wright? Oh, man. Does it surpass wow. Scott Pilgrim? That's a good question. Does not surpass Scott Pilgrim. Okay, so yeah. it's at least two. Yeah. Um, honestly. And this could I mean, change upon yeah, second viewing, too. It's so hard. Mm -hmm. But because now right we now. have because now we have like the Cornetto trilogy kind of does its own thing. And then we have these three movies that are kind of their standalone stories are a lot more in depth and yeah. detailed. Yeah. More cinematic experience. Cause I'm, I'm not going to lie and as much as we joke about the fact that in the first five episodes of Wilhelm, I've mentioned baby driver in three of them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm not going to lie. It's going to take another viewing or two to, to certify it. This might edge out baby driver. It doesn't quite do that for me just because I think the music, no pun intended, drives okay. a lot better in Baby Driver. I agree. Um, it's a lot. So 
But story-wise, I, I think not this to is... knock Cor the Cornetto trilogy because I do love them deeply, but I think they kind of fall on that back end to where they would be like the bottom three, and then I think these like more cinematic, like very in-depth. So this would be about third. But I would put it in third. I would put it like okay. right behind Baby Driver and Scott Pilgrim. Top yeah. three. That's still yeah, upper echelon. So yeah, for me. Yeah, I think I would. I'd put it at number one. I think for me, it's number one of Edgar Wright. Mm -hmm. right films yeah for me it might be yeah. it's it's teeter in two and three like yeah. again i need another viewing or two to kind of certify it but it's mm -hmm. it's teetering on two with baby driver going down the third but again as far as decimals or as far as top the one to ten it's a yeah. nine it's a solid like, i would like teeter with that and then you could start playing yeah. bell bottoms i'd be like no fuck it you're right baby driver <laughs> no, still no, baby yeah. <laughs> <laughs> bill bottom it's so hard yeah. it's I mean, so hard i will i will give baby driver that the soundtrack for baby driver is just amazing like yeah. it's so good yeah but this the, it's one of the best but the soundtrack to this movie really is not is. a slouch like no not at it's all. a great no. soundtrack um, but yes, but the, the to soundtrack <laughs> to to Baby Driver is just so more varied and diverse than like mm -hmm. this was last night in Soho soundtrack is is purely like 60s. It's very England 60s. That's, yes, it's yeah. very British yes. pop rock 60s, <laughs> whereas Baby yeah. Driver is everything from from Beck to from, like it's from Beck to Queen. Yeah, it's to. Uh, <laughs> What Egyptian reggae? So <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's very diverse and more and more eclectic. So yeah, soundtrack wise, Baby Driver wins. Story wise, I think Last Night in Soho might edge it out. But again, yeah. it's just take the top six, toss them in the air, whatever order they land right. in. That's the top five. That's you know, mm -hmm. uh, cool. So yeah. ordinarily, um, you know what? Before I go into that, what's on the horizon for run for your lives. So what have you guys done? What's coming up? How can people listen? All right. So today we dropped, cause I'm assuming this is on Friday, which is when ours come out as well. Mm -hmm. When these, so uh, we are releasing our episode on mayhem, the 2017 movie with Steven Yun and Samara weaving. And yeah, so that is the episode, the newest episode that is up today that people can go listen to. And we had a blast with that one. That's such a great movie. Yeah. <laughs> Samara Weaving can't do anything wrong, really. I, I think she's amazing. I will watch almost anything with Samara Weaving. Like Mayhem is fantastic. Ready or not, man. Yeah. Ready or not. I love I think that Ready one. Not. I think that one's on the horizon for Run for Your Lives. Yeah. It feels like maybe it's a little stretch to, to cover it on that one, but also like it's worth it. Because we're gonna we, we're gonna cover Soho on yeah. there too at some point, too. So last yeah, we are. Yeah. Last episode of Wilhelm was the top five uh horror movie horror movies with our friend Jamie. Uh and I did bring up Ready or Not, and mm -hmm. Jamie has since watched it. Nice. And she messaged me like a number of times and she's like, Thank you for recommending this movie. Because <laughs> she hadn't seen it before we recorded yeah. Wilhelm, and like now she like loves the movie. Yeah, it's so good. It's just it's fun. There's just I know it's a horror movie and I know that people get killed, but there's just something fun about that movie. It's a, it's a and there's a heroine who you think she isn't as strong as she turns out to be. And I yeah. like that. So um, how can people listen? How can they find Run For Your Lives and listen? We are on Spotify. We are on Apple Podcasts. We're on Amazon Music. We're on YouTube. All the links to everything is at runforyourlivespodcast.com. Cool. Easy enough. Uh, 
Uh, ordinarily for Wilhelm, I don't usually ask for feedback because there's the this the format of this podcast is so freeform that I never know what episodes are going to be in what order unless I <laughs> advertise them ahead of time. So it's kind of difficult to do feedback. However, I want to know what people think of this movie. Like oh, I yeah. personally want to know. I don't know if it's going to get mentioned on future episodes of Wilhelm. I'm for my own personal curiosity. I want to know what people think. So I, I want people, I want to encourage people this time to go to the Facebook page, facebook.com slash the Wilhelm podcast and comment your thoughts on the movie. Um, if you're commenting on Facebook, don't put any spoilers in there for people who haven't seen it. If you want to comment spoilers, message me directly through the Facebook page or email me directly at uh, the Wilhelm podcast at gmail.com. But I want to know what you thought. Do you agree with our thoughts? Did you like it? Did you not like it? Did you think it could be better? Where does it fall in the scope of Edgar Wright films? Where does it fall in the scope of horror suspense thriller? Let me know your thoughts. Again, facebook.com slash the Wilhelm podcast, direct message for spoilers, or email me directly at the Wilhelm podcast at gmail.com. Future episodes of Wilhelm coming up. In two weeks, Jason Kabasi, who was on the very first episode of Wilhelm, is going to be coming back on. We're going to be doing top five favorite Steve Martin films, which is going to be difficult because there's so many good ones. So many good ones. (laughs) Uh, It's not scheduled yet, but she made a promise and a commitment. But um, Paik, your co-host from Strange Indeed, Rima, uh, is going to be coming on. We're going to be talking about top five favorite Keanu Reeves films. Nice. Um, into and then at some point before the end of the month or into the beginning of December we're going to do the Matrix episode because the new Matrix movie is hitting in Mm -hmm. December as well and then you can probably also expect a review episode of the Matrix like we did this I like doing these review episodes yeah of Wilhelm they're fun it's fun they're freeform conversations there's no notes to be made ahead of time we Mm -hmm. just come on and talk about them so uh Expect one for The Matrix. I'd say expect one for Ghostbusters Afterlife, but that one's actually going to be on Watched It in the 80s with our friend Davian. Cool. Because he came on to do Ghostbusters here, so we're going to do the Ghostbusters Afterlife review on his podcast. Oh, Uh, awesome. Expect a Christmas episode or two in December as well. And then January's James Bond month, which I'm gearing Mm. up for soon too. I need to start. I started and then just kind of dropped off because I'm busy with so many things, but I made it through like the first like three movies. I'm starting from the very beginning and then working my way. So. <laughs> oh, oh, I also have to bring this up too. Um, in terms of podcastica podcast, which is strange indeed, like I mentioned you and Rima mm-hmm. um, starting November 19th, Amazon is going to be airing its new series Wheel of Time off the Robert jo- uh, Robert Jordan books. Uh, and I am going to be co-hosting House Podcastica on Podcastica for a couple of weeks uh, covering that series with our friends Greg and Wendy. Yeah. Uh, so podcastica.com podcastica.com is where you can find all the information on that. So if you're watching well, Wheel of Time on Amazon, you can go and you can uh, find the details on how you can listen to that. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for that. I know yeah literally nothing about that series i never read any of the books but i i have amazon prime so i will be watching and i will be listening to you guys cover it on house podcast nice uh 
And this- Ben, don't forget, you'll be joining us over on Run for Your Lives in December. I think the episode will come out at the end or early January to cover a movie and maybe we'll get another special monologue. Oh, I will come up with a monologue for that movie in particular. <laughs> yes. Um, because trust me, guys, that episode, you're not going to want to miss a thing. So <laughs> glad like you saw it. what I did there. I like it. Hint, hint, hint as to what like movie it. we are covering. <laughs> yes. And um, if you haven't listened to it, go back and listen to our episode with Ben where we covered Independence Day last summer because there's a very special speech at the end. Yes. President Whitmore makes a return. Uh, but <laughs> in does. my voice, like a Muppet uh, or a puppet. <laughs> Muppet is uh, copyrighted. Uh, I know this was last minute. Um, basically, considering I left the theater and said, hey, I want a podcast about this. Who wants to join me? <laughs> so uh, I appreciate you guys coming on yeah. such short notice to talk about it. But I knew yeah. I knew you Thanks guys would be great for guests for it. Yeah. So uh, that's going to wrap it up for this episode of Wilhelm. As always, thank you for being a part of the audience and listening and for leaving the feedback. Leave me feedback on your thoughts on Last Night in Soho. And if you've listened this far and you haven't seen it yet, what the hell are you doing? Go to the theater and see this movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yeah, and that's definitely. all I have to say. Don't miss it. No. You've had to write some love. Yes. True. Yes. And give, you know what? Give going back to theater some love. Mm-hmm. You know, because... Yes. We need to help cinema. We we need to revive going to theaters to see yeah. movies again. Um, if you don't feel safe enough, wear a mask. It's fine. Nobody's going to judge you for wearing a mask for two and a half hours during a movie. Uh, that includes trailers. Um, I'm so happy to finally be back to theaters. Yes, it's, I've been. I'm, it'll be because I, I think I'm going to go tomorrow to see Eternals. So it'll be three days within this week and it's so nice to be back and i've got a movies again i've got so many lined up between eternals ghostbusters um uh, spider-man matrix there's so many movies coming out that i'm gonna be returning to theaters to see i'm so excited get back to theaters help revive the theater industry uh but on that note until next time we'll see you on the next episode of wilhelm take care (laughs) 